Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show today. I am so excited to be back here with you, and hopefully this week I won't think the show ends 10 minutes earlier than it does, because that was quite humorous. Although already today I've picked up the phone upside down. So I'm just going to enjoy myself and laugh today and just, it's a beautiful day in Vero Beach. How bad could it be? And I want to welcome to Vero Beach my dear, dear friend Marion Edvardson and our entire family, George, William, and Brendan, who are down visiting from Burr, cold Norwalk, Connecticut. Hope you're listening in the radio on the car today. Today we are going to have one of my favorite people on the planet as my guest on the show. And... His name is Bob Berg, and um, he is one of those people that when you start listening to him, I want you to really think about the questions that you are asking yourself, because Bob has written a book. Well, actually, he's written many, many books, but his most famous one is The Go-Giver. It is a little story about a powerful business idea, and he wrote it with his co-author, John David Mann, who is somebody I am also proud to call my friend. And have them call me friends. What I love about this book is how a subtle shift in your focus can really make a huge difference in your business, your income, your life, everything. It's about perspective. It's about perception. And Bob, of everybody, is one of those people that has shifted my own perception about my definition of success. He's a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences. He's addressed audience of over 16,000 people. He's shared a platform with Olympic athletes, political leaders, including a former U.S. president, thought leaders, broadcast personalities. He's written books that have more than a million copies sold in total and has been translated into 21 languages. His newest book is Adversaries into Allies, Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion. He's an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. And Bob is going to be serving the Vero Beach area on Saturday, where he has kindly donated his time to speak at the Gifford Youth Achievement Center about the Go-Giver. And thanks to Beth Livers for donating 100 copies of his book. So welcome, Bob, to our show. Hello, Laura, one of my favorite people. How are you? I am so good. It's always a joy to get to spend time with you. So Likewise. Th- thanks for being here today. I, I hope you've got your coffee all warmed up. Uh, it is. It is warmed up and, and ready to go. Excellent. So, Bob, um, I want to thank you for agreeing to come on Saturday and speak to the Gifford Youth Achievement and the IRSC Trio and a number of other people about your book. It's so generous of you. Well, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you and Beth putting it together and all the all the great work that you're doing. Well, thanks. So, you know, I read The Go-Giver, I don't know, let's see, I must have met you eight years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not quite it sure. It seems like that, yeah. It, it feels like I've known you forever, I think. <laughs> so when I started reading this book, I I call it a bathtub read because I just couldn't get out of the bathtub till I'd finished reading it. <laughs> Thanks. I'm sure the pages were all wilty and everything. Well, I was starting to wilt and getting a little pretty, but the pages of the book were still really good. <laughs> and then I proceeded to give that copy away and many, many other copies um, over the years. Um, but what I loved was even in the opening chapter of the book, 
where you talk about um, Joe, who is the go-getter versus the go-giver. And he's talking to this other gentleman in the um, where he works named Gus. And I have to tell you, I don't think I've ever told you this story. But when you were describing Gus and how he just – nobody understands how he's still working there. He just seems to have all these business conversations that talk about everything but business – and yet he's there and he's successful and, and everything. That reminded me of my dad. Because mm. growing up, I'd come home from school at 3 o'clock and my dad was always sitting in his recliner um, waiting for us. And I'd be like, Dad, you're, you're done working already? And he goes, yeah, you should just watch what I do one day. And this is back before he became a builder when he was in sales. He would sit at his desk in his office and just make phone calls. And he would just have these conversations. And he occasionally changed companies. And these clients of his followed him everywhere. But I never sounded like he was talking about business. He just knew everybody and built relationships. And they followed him from place to place to place. Mm. He was Gus. He had his army of personal walking ambassadors. Yeah, like you do with the (laughs) (laughs) go-giver. But can you talk about that? philosophy and and how that can really make a difference in the way your life goes and the way your business goes? Well, you know, the the philosophy itself, uh, and and, uh, again, it's a a business parable, so it's... um yeah uh, it's not a it's a it's a fictional story although much of what john david mann my my awesome co-author who is really the lead writer and storyteller he's such a, a brilliant writer um many of the incidents in the book were actually based on on true stories but the the actual work itself is a fiction but the entire philosophy in a sense is simply that as you said shifting your focus and this is really the key shifting your focus from getting to Giving now, when when we say and this, and this is important, when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others, to individuals, to customers, to people you just meet, to to the entire marketplace of people, and that when you do that and and live your life that way, conduct your business that way, not only is it a, a nice way to live life and conduct business, but it's actually a very financially profitable way as well as your as your your dad experienced and and as he wisely yeah emulated for you and there's a reason for this it's not it's certainly not magical or or mystical thinking it's that in a a free market based economy People are going to do business with you. They're going to connect with you. They're going to want to be in relationship with you. They're going to want to be involved in your life because they feel there is value in doing so. They see you as a person who they like. They see you as a person they trust. They see you as a person who is going to help them, who is going to somehow, some way, make their life better, happier, more fulfilled, what have you. Uh, for being involved, and again, I'm, I'm sort of stretching the whole gamut from you know professional, personal, relational, the whole thing. But it all comes down to that same thing, uh, which is why we say that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to, allow themselves to be led by, want to be in relationship with those people they know, like, and trust. Well, you know, the whole concept of go giver seems to be completely opposite to what 
a lot of people have been trained to, which is you must be a go-getter. You must be an overachiever. You, you must push, 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 push in order to make your way through the world and be successful. You know, I personally believe the go-giver. It's what I was trained to. But how does somebody begin to make those shifts? And, and how did you get from go-getter to go-giver? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, first, and that's a great question. First, let, let's kind of look at that a little, little bit deeper because we're often asked, uh, are you guys saying that it's not good to be a go-getter? And, and the answer is no. We love go-getters, actually. We, we think it's great to be a go-getter. Um, go-getters get things done. They take action. And, you know, the, you're, a, you're a very successful entrepreneur, coach, radio personality. Uh, many of your listeners are, are very successful in, in their business. And one thing we all know, is that you can have uh, the nicest thoughts, the the greatest ideas, the best intent, but unless action is put into the mix, nothing's going to happen. So being a go-getter is very important. Now, the good news is that there's no natural division between a go-getter and a go-giver. Many go-getters are also go-givers. And, and I would say that every go-giver is also a go-getter. So, so we would say that the opposite of a go-giver is not a go-getter. The opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker. And that's that person, Laura, who feels almost entitled, if you will, to take, take, take without having added value to the person, to the process, to the situation. And they tend to be frustrated more than anything else because they, they tend to not reach the kind of level of success they feel they, they deserve. And even those times they do, uh, because sometimes they do, it tends to be short-lasting because it hasn't been built on the proper foundation. So when we, and they tend to think everyone else is naive and doesn't really understand how the real world works, <laughs> but that's not really so. Um, and, and so when we say go-giver, when we use the term go-giver, we're simply talking about that man or woman who has learned uh, or who perhaps always intuitively knew that if that person who can, again, move, shift their focus, uh, I love how you said that, uh, who can move from an I focus or a me focus to an other focus, always looking for ways to, to give value or provide value for others, that's the person who actually accomplishes the most. And that's both short-term, mid-term, and long-term. Okay, so let me ask a question around that whole shift your focus to other thing. Mm-hmm. I know that you don't mean that means you should give away the store, right. that you should not have your own goals, your own dreams, your own ambitions. How do you balance that? Uh, that you, right. Well, it's not really a balance as much as a harmony. Um, being a go-giver does not mean you give things away. Uh, I mean, if you're in business, you're selling a product or a service. If you gave it away, you'd soon be out of business. Um, you wouldn't be able to uh, make a living. You wouldn't be able to employ other people. You wouldn't be able to add to the economy. Um, You'd be part of the problem, not part of the solution. <laughs> Plus, you, you wouldn't be in business long enough to help people who want your product or service continue to get your product or service. So, so, being, uh, so failing in business... Uh, not making a profit doesn't serve anyone. Uh, no, you go-givers make a great profit. Uh, they do this through the exchange of their product or service for uh, profit. 
And when you think of it, that makes a lot of sense. And, and this can be anyone from, well, let's say in the story, we had, uh, we had um, Ernesto, who was the, Ernesto Iafrate, who was the restaurateur. And Ernesto had a, 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 a bunch of hugely, hugely successful restaurants, very profitable restaurants. So what was it that made his restaurants profitable? Well, on a, on a basic level, the cost of the food, um, he paid less for the food than what he charged, so he made a profit. But people aren't going to buy the food and go to his restaurant because Ernesto needs to make a profit. They need to achieve they need to obtain more in value than what they're paying now first we have to understand and put this within the context of what we call the law of value which is the the first law of the of the story and the law of value says that your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment but again, that sounds that goes back to sounding like you're not making a profit. So, so let me explain this just for clarification. We've got to understand the difference, and this is key: the difference between price and value. Price is a dollar amount; it's a dollar figure; it's finite; it is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or the desirability of a thing to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, that brings you so much worth, so much value, that you will willingly exchange your money for it and be glad you did, while the, the seller or business person makes a very healthy profit. So let's let's go back now to Ernesto's restaurant. Okay, but we're going to have to go back to Ernesto, Ernesto's restaurant right after this commercial break. We'll be right back with more from Bob Berg. We are back with our guest, Bob Berg, and we are talking about his book, The Go-Giver, and the number one stratospheric law of success, the first law of value. And Bob, you were talking about how value does not mean no profits. It means, and you were talking about Ernesto's restaurant. Right. And and, uh, so let's look at the restaurant. When you're a customer... You uh, you obviously en- enjoy the food, and, that, and that's a hallmark. First, the food has to be good. It's an upscale restaurant, so the food does have to be good, and it and it's pricey. It's on the upper upper end of the uh, of the price scale. But not only is the the food expertly prepared, and it's also expertly presented. The ambiance is wonderful. The waiter and, and and waitresses they they know how to treat people. When you go to that restaurant, you come away feeling like a million bucks. I mean, you just feel great about the experience. You may have paid, you know, 150 a couple hundred dollars for the meal, but you come away feeling like you got thousands of dollars worth of value, okay? And for that, you exchanged 150 a couple hundred dollars, which again, uh, so, so you make a profit as the uh, customer because you got more than what you paid for. But Ernesto, of course, the money he's charging uh brings in more than what he's paying for the overhead, including staff, food, and, and so forth. In any free market-based transaction, uh, which is symbolized by or embodied by uh, the fact that, that neither side has to do business with each other, they both do business with each other out of choice, both parties should profit. Both parties come away better off than they were before. And that's what the law of value is all about. Now, when you let's say you you sell something that is a uh, 
uh, you know, we can call it a widget. It's something generic. It's good. It's a good product, good service, but it's it's not any different from what many of your competitors have. So how do you end up charging a, a good enough price so that you make a good profit, which you should? Because part of being a go-giver is making a good profit. The key is that you're giving more in use value to the other person than what you're paying, so they feel great about it. Um, you know, what questions can you ask yourself to know that you are providing more than what your competitors are, even though you're charging a higher price? Well, how is your uh, how is your excellence? Uh, how good are you at what you do? Do you know your product or service backwards, forwards, sideways, diagonally, inside, outside? Do you know everything about it? And more importantly, how it benefits your customer because value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's what they find it. So what questions do you ask that person? How do you go about determining their wants, their needs, their desire so that you can match the benefit of your product or service with uh, what they are looking to to um, accomplish. Um, in terms of excellence, how do you treat your customers when they come to your office? Are they greeted by someone who makes them feel right at home, who makes them feel a million bucks? Do you answer, Do you return your calls and emails on a timely basis? Uh, is everyone at your company taught to uh, aggre- uh, to address customers not with hi, hey, or how you doing, but good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Uh, when someone says thank you, are they taught like at the Ritz-Carlton or, or like uh, um, uh, Chick-fil-A to, to not respond with no problem or even you're welcome, but my pleasure. All those things are excellent. So how do you communicate excellence to your to your customers. All those help set you apart from from other uh, competitors in your field. And I would think, Bob, that it would also have to be how your audience perceives excellence. So if you're communicating extra value or excellence in a way that is not a perceived way by your clientele, it's not going to go over well. That's the key. Um, um, value is always, always in the eyes of the beholder. It's not what we think is of value about our product or service. Uh, it's not what we think they should think is of value about our product or service. It's about what they value about our product or service. So uh, aside from feeling confident that what we offer is great, great value, a great experience, a great what have you, the, one of the best things we can do, and again, this goes back to your expertise in asking questions, and that is to contact your current customers, the ones who you have a great relationship with, the ones who keep coming back, the ones who refer you to others, and actually ask them, what is it about me or my company or doing business with us that you find to be of value? Because I'll tell you what, we all as human beings, we all see the world from our own unique lens, our own paradigm or model, if you will. It's part of our belief system, a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television, movies, everything. But our our belief systems are, are pretty much set in place by the time we're little more than toddlers. And we grow up and we live our lives seeing the world through really an unconscious lens, an unconscious operating system. So what we think someone else, what, what we like, we assume everyone else likes. You know, what, 
this is why you hear people say things like, oh, everybody likes that or nobody would feel that way. Well, we don't know that at all. We just know that that's how we are. So by asking your customers these questions, they will give you responses that you're not expecting. And you can keep that in mind in, in terms of fact-finding and asking questions of your other prospective customers. Now, I would think that that really flows well into one of the later laws, the law of authenticity. I know we're not there yet, but understanding how your clients perceive you and perceive value and matching that with your own mm-hmm. understandings of, is that really truly who I am? Sure. I mean, one of the things that I love that I get from, you know, when I'm speaking on stages or working one-on-one with clients or people have read my book and then met me, they're like, you're exactly like I pictured. I mean, you're your book. You're you're who you're talking about mm-hmm. on stage. You know, there's no difference between the you. Right. And over the years, I've learned that if I try to be something other than myself, it, it tends to fall flat very quickly because mm-hmm. you can't maintain it. Well, that's uh, that's so true. I mean, everything about this has to be congruent with who you are. You know, when you were speaking earlier about your dad, how he had so many people who just knew him, loved him, trusted him, followed him. You know, that's because he was himself, and they knew he was himself. And people respect that. People feel comfortable with people like that. And, uh, you know, which, which doesn't mean that when we're authentic that we should just accept our, our flaws and not, you know, not work on them. Of course, we should always continue to try and grow and shore up the weaknesses and improve upon the strengths. But we, we always stay congruent with our, with our values, if you will. Okay. And we're going to be going into the news segment in just a few seconds. So I want to remind all our listeners, you can call in and ask a question at 772-778-3500. And don't forget to check out the website. It's allaboutthequestions.com for free resources on asking better questions and how to connect with me on social media. Shout out on tw- uh, for a tweet from Melody at Mervy Girl, who is so excited to be listening to us live with Bob Berg. So, Melody, thanks for tweeting. If anybody wants to tweet, follow, tweet, shout while we're on the show, my Twitter handle is at the Laura Stewart. So, welcome back, Bob Berg. You and hello to Melody. I, she's a good friend of mine on Twitter, and always enjoy uh, corresponding with her. Yeah, she's in uh, Michigan area, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Burr. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. They're finally getting some springtime there, I think. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. So, Bob, we talked about the law of value and briefly about the law of authenticity, all concepts from the book The Go-Giver, which, by the way, for those of you listening in Vero, the Vero Beach Book Center has copies of it, but you can also get the book anywhere books are sold. Um, There's another law, the law of compensation. And, you know, it sounds pretty straightforward when... You say the law of compensation, but I know there's a lot more to it. Can you talk about it and the questions people need to be thinking about when they're figuring out that law for themselves? Well, the law of compensation itself, Laura, simply says that your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So in other words, where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you add this kind of exceptional value to, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. The question comes in, well, how do I touch more people's lives? How do I reach more people? And of course, um, that's where marketing one's business comes in. A, A great way to 
um, to reach more people and impact more lives is to develop a referral-based business. Referrals are, are a terrific way of building your business because it's easier to get in front of people, easier to set appointments with people because you're going in on borrowed influence. Uh, another aspect of, of working with referral-based product, uh, prospects is that price tends to be less of an issue. That doesn't mean it's a non-issue or not an issue, but because you've been referred and you're going in on borrowed influence and borrowed trust, you're, you're now in a position where you can more easily sell on value rather than try to sell on low price. And I often say, unless your last name is Walmart, trying to make low price your unique value proposition is, is not a, a very good business strategy. Uh, when you sell on, on price, you tend to be looked at as a commodity. When you sell on value, you're a resource. And then, uh, you know, it's easier to complete the transaction when it's a referral because you've, you're, uh, again, borrowed trust, the vicarious buying experience that other person has uh, through the person who referred you. And then people who are, are referred prospects, they're already trained, if you will. They're already of the mindset that that's how you do business since that's how they met you. So in their world, uh, in their their model, you meet new customers through referral. You sell on value rather than, uh, than on price. Uh, you complete the transaction and you receive more referrals. So it's a natural part of the process. So it, it's very important to understand that while the law of value is important, as Nicole Martin, one of the CEO, the, the person who was called the CEO, one of the mentors in the story, told Joe, uh, law number one, the law of value represents your potential income. But it's law number two that represents your actual income because it's not just how much value you provide. It's how many lives you're able to impact with that value. And referrals may also mean you refer somebody else to get the business. I mean, I know that when I owned my IT company for 15 years, and, and even now with the business consulting I do, and because I do business consulting, I always do life coaching for people as well because businesses and lives are so deeply intertwined. Sometimes I'm like, you know, you really need to go talk to this person instead of me. And I'm, some people are like, you can't do that. You're giving away money. Well, but the right person to help them with what they need is not me. That's not the right best person. It's somebody else. Oh, right. You've, you've always got to do what, what's right for the customer. And, you know, if it's not right for the customer and, and you try to sell them on it, you're really doing a disservice to them and to yourself because your reputation is going to suffer. So, you, you know, it's not that we look to refer people to our competitors, but there, there's a time and place for everything. And if that other person is able to because they do different things that are maybe complementary to what you do, but, they, uh, but it's not something you're able to, then by all means, you, you know, you, you, you refer uh, sometimes to the, those people as well, absolutely. Which is the law of influence. Yeah, well, the law of influence says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. But again, let, let's make sure we qualify that by saying that when we say place other people's interests first, we're not talking about being anyone's doormat. We're not talking about being self-sacrificial. We're not talking about being a martyr. 
we're simply understanding that as as uh, Sam, one of the mentors in the story, told Joe, the protege, the golden rule of business is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Well, there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you than by, again, moving from that that I or me focus to an other focus, making your win about the other person's win. But doing this, again, is not self-sacrificial. Placing your, your customer's interests first is good business. Yeah, but you always have to put your oxygen mask on first because you won't have a business otherwise. Well, you do, that, and that's why I said there's nothing self-sacrificial yeah. um, about this. Which leads to the law we talked about the law of authenticity a little bit, which is about the most valuable gift you have mm-hmm. to offer is yourself. But one of the laws that I find tends to be um, the most misunderstood um, or or used least, shall we say, is the law of receptivity, that the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Um, so many of us have been told, give, 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 give. Um, and you once told me a metaphor about when you're giving, your hands are open. That means that they're also able to receive something. And I loved that analogy. Can you talk about the law of receptivity and how we can begin shifting our focus to get that it's okay to receive? Yeah. And, you know, the problem isn't uh, isn't the advice of give, 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 give. Of course, keep giving value all the time. But the the, the problem comes in when the other part's left out. <laughs> and that is also be be willing to be open to receive. Um, in the story, we use the example uh, of breathing out and breathing in. The mentor, Pindar, asked Joe to breathe out and hold that breath to the count of 30, which, of course, Joe can't do. He starts to struggle and gasp for air. And uh, Pindar says, what's the matter? Joe can't do. And Joe says, no, I can't just breathe out. I've got to breathe in as well. And and Pindar jokingly said, well, Joe, what if I was to tell you that it's been medically proven that it's actually healthier to breathe out than it is to breathe in? And Joe laughed. He said, that's that's silly. Uh, You can't do one or the other. You've got to do both. Well, exactly. We breathe out and we breathe in. Uh, we breathe out carbon dioxide, we breathe in oxygen, we breathe out, which is giving, but we also breathe in, which is receiving. I think the messages of lack that we get from the world, probably from the time we're born and everything we see and hear and all the you know the so many movies that you look at, you, you watch that are always about the the good righteous poor people and the bad nasty mean rich people and you know all these messages we certainly see that in the news we see it in politics uh i think people on a on a mainly on an unconscious level get this idea stuck in their head that it's it's good to be poor or bad to be rich and uh they don't realize that people who have made a lot of money again assuming they've done it in a free market base where where they have to provide value to others they did it through doing that and that as long as you focus on the giving you've earned the right not the entitlement but the right to receive but you've got to allow yourself to do it and you've got to believe that it is righteous to do so or that subconscious will trip you up every single time um a good friend of yours randy gage 
wrote a book, Why You're Dumb, Sick, and Broke, and How to Get Smart, Healthy, and Rich. And, and he <laughs> talks about, uh, I'm sure you've read this, but I think there's actually comments from you in, in that book, but how we're so programmed with mm-hmm. TV, with um, memes. He calls them memes or yeah. mind viruses. Yeah. And so how does somebody begin to shift in, in your viewpoint that it's really okay? I mean, is there something you can ask yourself? Yeah, well, you ask, is this serving me? Is this serving my family? Is this serving others? Is my is my living with a lack mindset rather than embracing a abundance, is this serving the world? Is it serving me? And if it's not, now you're, I would say congratulations, because now you're aware. Because once we're aware of a problem, now we're in a position to do something about it. Um, but remember, it's very unconscious. It's very subconscious. And it all ties into our beliefs about the way the world is and the way the world works and what we deserve and what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. So that's why I refer Randy's book at practically every seminar where I speak. I read his, his Randy Gage uh, Abundance blog, uh, and his, I watch his Prosperity TV segments every week because I want to keep filling my mind up with thoughts that, and knowledge that abundance is good. And that's the whole premise of this radio show. It's all about the questions. It's mm-hmm. to get people thinking differently that it's not exactly. just what you're hearing out there. You know, there there's a lot more to it. Shift your thinking. Start asking different questions. My favorite question, as you know, is the title of my book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? Exactly. Shift outside yourself. Yeah, always check your premises. You know, when you hear something, rather than just accept it, ask actively ask yourself. Check the premises. You know, why is this true? What qualifies that person to say it? Where did they learn it? And and where did the person teaching it they learned learn it from? You know, does this actually hold water if you test it? And ask yourself these questions and, and just at like as you teach, asking the questions are what, you know, gives us power. And I love that. And we're gonna be going into commercial break. So before that, if you go to it's all about the dot com, you can download a free guide, an exercise book on beginning to ask better questions and challenging your premises. We'll be right back with Bob Burke. And thanks for being here with us again today on It's All About the Questions. Our guest is Bob Berg. And and Bob, we've talked about the the five laws of stratospheric success. And I wanna take a little shift right now. You're coming here um, to talk to a bunch of kids on Saturday. And I know that in addition to animals being very near and dear to your heart, the whole idea of getting kids who perhaps um, didn't always come from the best backgrounds and everything with the most uh, positive experiences, shifting their thinking and showing them another world. Um, How did your philanthropic bent begin for you? I think just modeling my parents and, you know, seeing how they always uh, wanted to provide value to the world, to the people around them. So I I was blessed to have a very good, uh, very good uh, set of role models. You know, and um, you don't have any children. No. But I've seen you around kids and they just flock to you. <laughs> Thank you. So I, I think you're you have children around the world. Kid, kids and animals. <laughs> I 
I've always been better at the animal thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently doggy sitting um, uh, because uh, my dog Frankie passed away in January, and I'm not oh, ready to make a thing. So I'm just not ready to make a full commitment to yeah. a, another pet. So I get to doggy borrow. Yeah, well, you know, when you're ready, and of course, when you're ready, go to your local uh, shelter. Which is where I got Frankie from. Exactly. When she was three years old. Uh, there's nothing better than shelter, so everybody oh, remember I'll that. I'll tell you, when you adopt a shelter dog, they know. They know you've rescued them, and they just are. I mean, all dogs are, are loyal and wonderful and fantastic, but uh, a shelter dog, there's there's just nothing like one. And and you have cats. Yeah. Well, I, the, the cat I have now is a, a shelter cat. Uh, his name is Calvin, Calvin Coolidge, and... Uh, He's great. He's sitting. He's actually lying here right now, fast asleep. He's actually he's very very good at sleeping. <laughs> I wish I was as good as cats he's are at sleeping. That skill. <laughs> you also have a big fascination with Ben Franklin. Oh yeah. And um, I have a, a little Ben Franklin story. When I lived in Connecticut, my my first marriage, we got married at this uh, second congregational church in Greenwich, Connecticut. And when we had gotten there, they were in the middle of renovating their bell tower, mm-hmm. which is one of the tallest things in that area. And they had found a box. And when they opened up a box, there was a letter from him certifying that the building had a lightning rod that would help protect the building in case of lightning. And it had wow. been personally installed by him. Really? Yeah. <laughs> What a great story. Isn't that so cool? I mean, mm-hmm. a, bit, a bit of history. And if they hadn't been renovating and part of like a wall kind of sort of fell out and, and they found this box, which had this information in it, it's, it's very, very cool. I, I just love stories like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah, Ben, ben was, was truly one of my heroes and uh, lot, lots of wisdom. And, you know, I believe everyone should read his book, The Autobiography, that he wrote. Um, it, it just is filled with such phenomenal wisdom that uh, that anyone can learn and benefit from. And your latest book, Adversaries into Allies, Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion, where mm-hmm. did that book come from? Uh, really, that came from, uh, from really admiring and, and modeling the way that my dad always related to others. Um, the, the greatest person I've ever seen in terms of people skills. And with dad, it was very, and still is to this day, very, very natural. With me, not not as much so. Um, so I, I used to just watch what he did. And, and you know, it, it's interesting. I've always said that of all the, the great, uh, of the, the, the magnificent people skills that my dad has, his his most important people skill was simply a very genuine interest in the other person. He always wanted to help bring out people's best in them. He always wanted to to help people feel genuinely good about themselves. And and that's an important part of, I think, the go-giver, where it came from, too, Mm -hmm. right? The law of value is you have to genuinely care. Yeah, and the law of influence. Yeah, the law of influence. That's so beautiful. So what's next for you, and how can people connect with you and find out about your books and where you're going to be? Uh, they can uh, visit Berg.com, B-U-R-G.com. Uh, 
the biggest thing we're doing right now, other than continuing to promote The Go-Giver and Adversaries into Allies, because I'm always promoting my books. I never stop doing that. And Endless Referrals, another fantastic that, book. Yeah, that one's been out for a long time. And uh, is you know we're building our, our te- a team, really, of, of certified Go-Giver speakers. We're people who want to speak professionally and uh, are able to... Um, get the rights to do that, and we teach them how to do it, how to speak on the topic, and how to uh, build a, a successful and profitable speaking career. So uh, there's information about that at the site as well. Okay, so they would go to Berg.com, B-U-R-G.com, mm-hmm. and find out about certified go-givers. And mm-hmm. on Facebook, you have a go-giver ambassador community. Yeah. I love that community. There's so many great posts that um, you and... and and Kathy, well, yeah, Kathy, is Kathy in there. my business partner, Kathy Tajanel, is just a Love genius, and, and she, yeah, she's great, and she, uh, she takes care of that every day. She, she posts a new, uh, you know, a, a quote from one of the books, and she does a little, very quick commentary on it, and it's really catching on, and people are enjoying it. You have so many ambassadors around the world helping spread this message. Mm-hmm. If yeah, we're could, very grateful for if, that. If you could say anyone, anything to them on the air today, what would it be? Oh, it would be just to thank them for, you know, profusely for, for believing in the message, for spreading the message, but mostly for embodying the message themselves. And, uh, you know, it just, it's so gratifying to know that people have picked up the book. And many of the people who who have enjoyed it, they, they were already living their lives and conducting their business that way. The, the book was nothing really new for them. It was more just a confirmation of what they were already doing right. And others have maybe found that they were great when it came to two or three or four of the laws, but maybe one of the, one of the other ones was something they needed to really make it complete and help build their effectiveness. I can't tell you how often John David Mann and I have received emails from people telling us that, uh, that the law of receptivity made such a huge difference because the other things they were already good at, but that this book finally gave them, and, I, and it's interesting, they use the word permission to receive and be abundant. So, uh, you know, all those for all those things, I, I just thank everyone. You know, if anybody's interested in reading some great blog posts, um, subscribe to John David Ma- Mann's blog. Yeah. The man JohnDavidMann.com. He's terrific. And it's M-A-N-N. Um, her's last name. I, I read his stuff every day, and I, I, my heart just soars at his writing and his insights. Yeah, he, he's amazing. He is absolutely a genius. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here with me today, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on Saturday at the Gifford Youth Thank Achievement. you. Likewise. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. So, everybody, thank you again for being on the show today. Um, Next week, we have another amazing special guest uh, here Tuesday, same time, same channel. And shortly, we're going to be up on iTunes and Stitcher for those of you who like to hear podcasts, and you can listen to them as much and as often as you want. Go to itsallaboutthequestions.com and download some free resources on how to ask better questions. And tweet out at at the Laura Stewart. Let me know what you're thinking about the show. Thanks to... uh, those of you who signed up on the website last week and also friended me on Facebook. I love talking to my fans. I love answering your questions. And if you want some one-on-one time with me, just email me at laura at laurastewart.com. Remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? See you next week. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. 
Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 